Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it is time for another edition of Sminty Fiction. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. <laughs> and as always, uh, thanks right up front to super producer Christina who makes these happen. And also right up front, uh, disclaimer, if this is not your thing, we only do it once a month. So, you know. Move on. <laughs> We'd love to have you, but if you don't oh. want to be here, move on. <laughs> uh, Samantha, well, you came out a bit more bluntly than I did, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. That's just where we are today. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, so to start this one, I guess I should say, like, this one's a little gnarly. Um, gnarly? It's not, wow. It's not that much. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it without... Um, spoiling it. But it's a little gross. It's not that gross, but it's a little gross. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. But okay. I'll put that out there. I wanted to ask you, Samantha, we've talked about this a lot on several occasions, but I, I don't think I've ever asked you, did you like people to read what you wrote? It's according to who it was and if I trusted you. I sent mm-hmm. you one of my short stories. Mm-hmm. Actually, I had a small group of friends and we did a little writing club so that mm-hmm. we could get together and critique each other's writing and talk about it. But I think we were a pretty healthy group. There was about four or five of us and we would share stories and short stories and give critiques. And then there was a few friends that I would send to and I'd be like, well, let me know what you think about this. So yes, handful mm-hmm. of people, probably all could be like 10 and less. 10 and less. That's pretty mm-hmm. good though. Yeah, yeah. How do you, when someone would send you something that they wrote to read, were you like nervous to do it? Were you like, what if this is terrible and I can't? <laughs> no, um, it wasn't until after the fact of like, oh, mm-hmm. what do I do? But initially mm-hmm. I would just go in and be like, all right, here we go. And also it would be who it was because if I know you and know the type of writing you do, I'm like, oh, here we go. Type of <laughs> like mentally preparing. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I'm very protective of stuff I've written, which might sound funny given that we do this segment now. Um, I mean, you did destroy your previous works. 
I feel. I did. If you don't know what she's talking about, listeners, when I, I think I was in high school. Gosh, I can't wait to talk about Turning Red. There's so many things I connected with in that movie. But there was a point in high school where I destroyed pretty much everything I'd ever written, including a 498-page book and then an epically long Harry Potter fan fiction and a Peter Pan fan fiction and a Lord of the Rings fan fiction. I ripped them up and then burned them. Sad. Yeah, I'm really sad. I bet they were terrible, but I wish I could read them and make that judgment for myself now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could too. Pages. That's, <laughs> a lot. That's a lot of commitment. Like, I've hit 100, I think. Mm-hmm. 150 is the max. And I'm like, nope, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I And I think one of the reasons I destroyed it is something we've also talked about before where I felt like that level of it's not perfect, so I have to get rid of it. Right. But also, I was ashamed of them because I was, even though like now I'm asexual, uh, I was going through puberty and I oh. was writing about what I thought like, not even sex, but like kissing. And right. I remember in um, my Lord of the Rings when I wrote, I let a friend read it and there was a kissing scene and she, <laughs> rightfully, but uh, it hurt my feelings, <laughs> pointed Aww. out, I don't think that's how kissing works. You don't kiss for that long. Because I think I wrote, like, <laughs> they kiss her 10 minutes under, like, a waterfall or something. <laughs> Look, one of the worst kisses I ever had was doing the movie kiss, and it was so bad. The dude was like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, that was bad. Because that's what I would seen on TV, but right. it's so unrealistic. So this mm-hmm. is what we were taught. So I don't right. blame you. Thank you. Thank you. But I was embarrassed <laughs> when she said that because I was like, oh, no, she's right. I have no idea how this works. And then one of my brother's friends accidentally, he read one of my journals and he was real mean about it. No, that's an invasion of privacy. It was. Not okay. It was a, it was a short story. I read. It was a fan fiction. It was a celebrity fan fiction. Oh. I can't remember who it was with. But oh. his car broke down and I helped him. I helped him out, and then he fell in yes. love immediately, oh. of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then my mom, she read one, and she had the grace not to say anything, but that one was kind of sexual. That one was a little... So mm. that was like a turning red moment if it was sexual and your mom I know. read it. Ooh. I know. That's why I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be great. I was like, oh my God, this is the exact thing. Same thing happened to me almost. Oh. But... I So the short story we're reading today is kind of an abridged... I wrote a a trilogy of books that's based on this idea. And this is like a three-page short story that is sort of uh, consolidating it. Um, And I love this story. I did my first Dungeons & Dragons campaign. The character I made, I've talked about before, was based on this, which actually was really difficult because it's a real messed up story. So... You introduce that element into a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, it gets real messy. <laughs> but I loved it. And it was something I did for stress where I would write on this, write on this story. And um, people really wanted to read it because they'd heard me talk about it. Um, probably no one has seen it, but there is a movie I was in called Annie in the City. And they even mention yeah. it in there. Like there's an assassin at the end. That like wakes her up in a dream. That character's involved in this, but it's kind of it's it's well known, is what I'm saying. Like my friends knew where I was writing it, and wanted to know about it, wanted to read it, and I kept 
like holding it close to my chest. No one ever was going to read it. I still have people asking about it. In fact, a colleague of ours recently asked me if I could read it. And I was like, sure. And then I never sent it because I am very protective and like I get really in my head about if something's good or what if what if it's not feminist? What if I'm like passing on some yeah. harmful message that I don't know that I'm passing on? Which I guess ultimately it'd be good to know that better than not know that <laughs> before you try to publish something. But one time my uh, one of my ex-boyfriends read part of it and I didn't know he read part of it. And I freaked out, like not on him, but like in yeah. my in my heart, like in my body. <laughs> panic, Samantha. <laughs> Just panic. <laughs> and he said, I liked the part that I read. And I was like, then you're messed up too. And then I thought, well, what does that say about me? <laughs> 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 so listeners, you're uh, in for a treat. Here um, we go, inside the mind. Yes, and I have some points I want to discuss afterwards. But in the meantime, let's get to to this short story called Dark Family Secret. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I let you in on my dark family secret? We all have origin stories. Lies we tell ourselves over and over until we believe them. <laughs> the lies I told myself... They held so much power over me. I wanted to be 
fearless. But fear exists for a reason. Open your eyes to the lies. It will change you. It will liberate you if you let it. Be brave. Living with a lie is easy, but don't shy away from the gray. As complex and unsatisfying as it may be, embrace it. It's where you live with all of us. I first heard of Nova as a fledging reporter researching a string of unexplained phenomena. People disappearing into thin air, literally. Others apparently harnessing fire in their fist, manipulating time, super strength, super speed, quick healing, regeneration. And with all of this, whispers. Whispers of an elusive drug behind it. It was called Nova. Even finding this information took a monumental amount of legwork. It was as if the people in the know, authorities included, were actively hiding it, even as the rate of these incidents increased, cover-ups became more difficult to believe, the whispers growing impossible to ignore. The difficulty of finding it made the allure of being the one to break the story all the more intoxicating. Asking around for the most part resulted in blank stares, but on rare occasions, these questions yielded paranoid responses or vague threats, urges to drop it if I knew it was good for me. But I didn't drop it. Some would argue I didn't know it was good for me either. I scoured the dark corners of the internet, encountering images and stories that made my skin crawl, that made me think of people in a different way that are forever burned into my brain. Finally, I uncovered a forum dedicated to finding people who sold Nova. For the first time, I acknowledged the question that had been lingering in the back of my mind like a shadow. If I got my hands on some, was I going to try it? Who doesn't want superpowers, right? The paranoia surrounding it, the threats hinted at something sinister. Still, I was curious. I put out feelers to the group, built up a rapport, established a trust, as much as can be established in the darkest corner of the internet trying to get a lead on an underground drug. It took time, but I got an invitation to an address I didn't recognize with instructions to show up after midnight and a promise that if I shared this with anyone, the consequences would be severe. This was followed by a block of personal information Social security number, parent social security numbers, phone, address, credit cards, passwords. My stomach curdled and for a moment I teetered on calling the whole thing off. But I'm nothing if not stubborn. The next night, I found myself nervously looking around a dark alleyway, fighting against the chill in the post-midnight air. A fog hung in the dark, obscuring the streets, the sky. I checked my phone's GPS for the fourth time to confirm that I was in the right place. I wrapped my arms around my midsection, wondering if I should just leave, if it had all been a setup. A metal creaking to my left made me jump so badly I almost fell over. Red light flooded into the alleyway, the fog twirling within the humming crimson beam. It was a door on the ground. I just assumed it was a cellar or for maintenance. It certainly didn't look like something I should open. I crept towards it, anticipation building almost painfully within me. My friends always joked my curiosity would get me killed one day. 
As I got closer, I realized there was a heavy pulsating beat coming from inside. An electric energy from within or without, I couldn't be sure, made the hair on my arm stand up. A tall, thin man emerged, dressed mostly in black, his silhouette thrown in stark relief in the red light, almost making him glow around the edges, a thin, bright red line. For a moment, we stared at each other, frozen. Then he turned sharply on his heel and left, eerily silent, swallowed up in the red and the fog. I hesitated. He'd left the door open. I needed answers. I needed to know. I longed for fame, prestige, for immortality in one form or another. That gaping need. I don't know why it was a part of me, why it's a part of so many of us. A way to cheat death, perhaps, to convince ourselves that we mattered. Decision made, I strode towards the cellar door, blinking against the light as I turned towards its source. A red rectangle burned on my retina. As if in a trance, I descended a set of steep metal stairs that clanged with each step, the sound oddly loud despite the music growing in volume as I headed towards it. On the final step, the door slammed shut behind me. I nearly jumped out of my skin, a scream caught in my throat. When I spun around, another figure stood in front of me, a pale, smiling figure. For the second time in as many seconds, I almost fell backwards, gasping wildly. Hello, she said pleasantly enough. I tried to look behind her to gauge the safety of entering further, but her body in the entryway obscured my view. I wondered how likely I'd be able to lift the door in the chance I needed to make a quick exit. She laughed, an unsettlingly false sound. Do not be afraid, she said. I will be your guide. Then she held out her hand as though to take mine. I forgot how to breathe. I did not take her hand, but I steeled myself and took the final stair, descending completely into the burning red light. She smiled too wide for her face. Her eyes glowed unnervingly. The woman led me inside, her pace slow. The entryway led into a large, wide-open space, big enough that the red light mellowed and I was able to make out the details of the space. On the left was what appeared to be a bar, the board above sporting names I didn't recognize, the descriptions underneath reminiscent of wine or oysters, words like salty, briny, robust, fruit forward, bitter. Some had phrases like take a walk on the wild side, flirt with death. Next to the descriptions were two sets of percentages ranging from relatively low to quite high, some almost as high as 100%, too high to be alcohol. The prices were exorbitant. I shifted my focus to the center of the room and faltered. With a dreadful start, I realized that the people sitting around the tables were hooked up to what looked like IV bags of dark liquid, tubes stretching like umbilical cords. The woman's hand on my arm directed me forward. Still processing what I was seeing, I allowed her to lead me to a table in the center, and she guided me onto a soft leather seat. She sat across from me, that too wide smile unwavering on her face. Tell me what you seek, she asked. My mouth dry, I managed. Nova. Her voice was strange, vibrating when she responded. 
you have come to the right place. What? What? I looked around, unsure what to ask first. I gestured at the IV cords. Is that Nova? She nodded once, her eyes bright. What about the percentages? She told me Nova was unlike anything ever seen, that it offered unlimited power, immortality, but that the offering did not come without a risk. The first percentage was the likelihood you'd turn forever, never needing to take Nova again to reap its benefits. Becoming more than human, a part of the new world order. The second was the risk of death or insanity. My gaze darted back to the board. So high, I breathed. This many people are willing to take the risk. Aren't you? The woman asked. I was, I realized. Her smile grew wider as though she already knew the answer. Human life is meaningless, she said. Nova can offer so much more. Life can be so much more. The greater the risk, the greater the reward. In the end, I still went with the least risky option, cringing at the price. She asked if I'd like the drip or the drink. I asked the difference. She looked at me for a long moment before she stood without responding. I glanced around as she rose to get it for me, subtly cataloging the other patrons. Their faces were painted with ecstasy, as though they were seeing wonders untold, wonders unimaginable. It filled me with awe and terror and cavernous curiosity. I had to admit, there was some excitement in toying with death and madness. The woman returned with a glass of dark, viscous liquid, retaking her seat and delicately placing it in front of me. I stared at it, the red light reflecting off of it, my heart pulsing along with the music. Something about it pulled a siren song. Tentatively, I grasped the stem, slowly twirling it around, asking, if I drink this, I might just die or lose my mind right here. Yes, she smiled. I thought of my body being dragged out of this grungy space, tossed like garbage. No one would ever know what happened. Or I could take this right now and become legendary. No risk, no reward. I tossed it back in one big gulp, slamming the glass on the table with perhaps too much force, wiping my mouth. It tasted like salt and overly ripe fruit. I took a gasp, then another, thinking it hadn't worked, but it was all a lie after all. Then the world split apart. My mouth was on fire. Every taste bud on my tongue was reverberating. It was like tasting pure, undistilled power. I had never felt anything like it, never believed anything like it could have existed. It was as though I had been dead and was now alive, that I could truly see for the first time in everything so much more beautiful than I could ever have imagined. I could see time itself, all of the paths not taken, the universe laid bare, all of it mine. 
too alive, too alive. Life itself, fire, fire, fire. Too much for this pitiful body. I was laughing wildly, I realized. My skin tingled with pleasure. A wide smile pulled at my lips. I forced my eyes to focus, every breath pure electricity. The glass in front of me exploded, and I laughed louder. People looked at me and away, grinning, clearly having seen it before, ready to go back to their own highs. Is this real? I asked, but there was no answer. Instead, my guide said, Congratulations, you survived. Then I asked the question I should have asked at the outset, but had been too afraid to, afraid it would stop me. What is this? What is Nova? Do you care? The voice asked, and for a moment, bathing in the beautiful warmth encasing me. I didn't. But I made myself nod, ever the curious one. It's a gateway to what we could be, what we could experience. It's the next step in human evolution, she offered, somehow both serene and terrifying. I persisted. You want in on our dark family secret? She whispered, somehow loud over the music. Now that you're one of us. The words blared chaotically in my brain. She leaned closer, a red halo around her, everything in vivid clarity. Why, it's blood, my dear. Her words were like horrible bells, clawed hands wrapping around my lungs. The blood of children, aged, it's the most effective. I stared down into the broken glass at the vestiges of dark, viscous liquid. Dreamlike, surreal, I pivoted, observing all the patrons hooked up to their IVs. They all knew, I realized. They all knew and were choosing it anyway. And the children, do you kill them? My voice sounded distant to my own ears. Only sometimes came the far too nonchalant answer. They're rare, the ones that produce Nova. I try to keep them alive. Again, I glanced around, wondering if what we'd chosen was life or death. Ultimately, I decided it didn't matter. I did not ask any more questions. I didn't push. The high was so great, I just didn't want to know. And knowing what I do now, I would do it again. I try not to linger too long on that thought, but it is the truth. I was one of the family now, a family connected by blood, and by the knowledge we drank the blood of children, joined forever by the dark truth of what we'd done. My family is growing all around you. Be honest with yourself. Give them the chance. Can you be certain you wouldn't take it? Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Bum, bum. And we're back. <laughs> yes. Yes, very dramatic. Very dramatic. So there are... Several things I want to talk about. First of all, I want to say I wrote this, the first version of this story in middle school. And I've rewritten it like seven times. But I had this idea a long time ago. I want to say because it's weird to be reading this now, which is a story about drinking someone's children's blood, essentially, to get powers. When QAnon has this whole idea that is very similar as part Mm -hmm. of their conspiracy and way of thinking. And when that happened, when I was hearing about what they believe, it gave me pause. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Looks like hands to me. Keep going. Okay. Um... I think... (laughs) Sorry, I did some bad pun and you bypassed it all of it. I know. Uh, (laughs) So so I think one of the things we've talked about that is related to this, we've discussed it many times, is this idea of really playing on women and their protection, like need to protect children. Mm-hmm. And those quote maternal instincts, and using that as sort of a Trojan horse for a lot of other nefarious things. Because if you're saying, I mean, essentially, if you get behind the like, we've got to protect the children flag, I feel like we've used that for so many damaging causes. <laughs> throughout time. So when I originally had this idea, which again, I was in middle school, which I, I guess you can judge me for that if you want. But I think I think I was going off of the what would be the most 
kind of disturbing trolley problem of I want superpowers. Oh, it means I'm drinking this child's mm-hmm. blood to get them. Do you still do it? So I get like the that I remember I had a teacher, I think I've talked about her before, Miss Tipton. She was my language professor and she was so difficult. She was in high school. She was so hard. And I read this essay once that I'd written about um, why I didn't think we should go to war in Iraq. And I had like a really, what I thought was like a really moving passage in there about um, basically like I, I focused in on a story about a child who had died in a strike and she was like, you know, you can use that stuff, but you that's a lot of emotional manipulation and you're doing a lot of like, you need to give more than that. Um, and that's like a lot of our politics today does that. Like we are like, mm-hmm. here's this one story. It's so terrible, right? Therefore, that means yeah. all of it's terrible. We Let's have to fix it. As a basis. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that really stuck with me. <laughs> I think I obviously I still think about it to this day. But it also is interesting. Again, this is a really consolidated version of what I originally wrote. And I do have plans to read more of it on on here eventually. But it also has like the most cinnamon roll of cinnamon roll characters before I even know what a cinnamon roll was. <laughs> so then you feel extra terrible because <laughs> it's a cinnamon roll that you're doing this to. And it also has a trope. I know we've talked about it recently and I've written several things about this. So clearly it's a thing. And I know that people, it bothers people and it is worth talking about. But of the like journalist who isn't a good journalist who, you know, um, falls in love with the subject or engages in in something like this. I like this character because she um, she has this whole backstory in my head about wanting to be famous, like wanting to be a journalist for the wrong reasons. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's also something we should talk about. But I just want to say I totally hear that critique. And I think it's a good critique. I think it's legit. Mm -hmm. Especially for like women journalists. (laughs) Right. Right. And then the title from this one, I liked because I like a lot of that stuff of, you know, the, the dark things in our families that we try to hide, that we keep secret. And this one being like, if you know the secret of how you got the powers, the dark family secret is you know where it comes from. So you're kind of connected through this bloodline through this drug. So, to continue to engage in it. <laughs> Dark family secret. Oof. Oof. Yeah. It didn't end well for my character in Dungeons and Dragons, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it didn't end well for, like, anybody's character in my that campaign, but, you know. That's fair. We all made our choices. <laughs> We made our choices. We made our choices. There it is. There it is. Well, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this fictional segment. We love doing them. And we'll see you next month with another one. Uh, In the meantime, if there's any fiction in the public domain you want us to read and give the same treatment to, 
We Ooh. would love to do it. Um, you can email us at stephanieandmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Steph I've Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Super duper producer. Oh, yeah. And thanks to you for listening. Steph I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.